To the Everyday Ministry Podcast, or a podcast where everyday ministers get together to discuss ministry. This is James White, the pastor at Lighthouse Community Church in Vernon, Alabama. And I'm sitting here with Jamie Owens, the new pastor at Ashcraft Corner in Fayette, Alabama. And I'm also sitting here with Chris Norsworthy, an associate pastor at Reformation Church in Central, Louisiana, close to Baton Rouge, if you have no idea what Central is. <laughs> Jamie, how is everything going the new the life of a new pastor? Everything's going well. It's a bit of an adjustment getting used to being in a totally different role, of course, going straight from being a a, uh, a church member to a church pastor. It's not the typical uh, way of doing things, straight from member to uh, a lead pastor of a church, but uh, that's the route that God has taken me down, and we're adjusting to that, getting used to getting used to all that new, money. That's right. Yeah. Got, got the money rolling in. Yeah. Uh, but no, uh, we're just getting used to it and very excited for the opportunity to serve God in this matter. It's truly a blessing to have this chance, but uh, everything's going well for us. How about you, Chris? How's everything going for you? Yeah, everything's going great where we are. And technically where we are is it's in East Baton Rouge Parish. So we can say Baton Rouge. It's okay. James, how's everything going at lighthouse community church man it's it's going but it's going very very slow it's summertime and when summertime hits almost for every church but specifically for a church of 30 you you notice the difference when 10 people are gone on vacation and especially when you only have five or six families in the church but three of the families are related to one another and go on vacations (laughs) together it's really noticeable and so it's going well me and my wife was actually on a little vacation to South Alabama slash Florida this past weekend. And we had our previous worship pastor step in and lead worship and preach to the four people that was there this morning, this Sunday. And so he had a good time. They had a good time. God's word was preached. So thankful for him stepping in for that for me. And I doubt Troy listens, but Troy, if you listen, thank you, man. Other than that, I start school next week uh, for the summer classes. So we'll see how that goes. 
I think Jamie's starting sometime soon as well for his summer classes. I've actually already started. Uh, I started two weeks ago, so we're in the middle of our semester right now. It'll be finished up June 20th, I believe. So, yeah. Where are you taking classes? University of West Alabama. I'm just trying to finish up bachelor's. Gotcha. I actually mm-hmm. only got two more classes. This one I'm taking now, and the one I'm going to take later this uh, this summer. And then you're going to walk in December? Yep. Yep. If you pass, of course. <laughs> if I pass, yeah. <laughs> that's uh, that's the variable, but yeah. Well, I'm glad everything's going well for you guys. One thing I do want to mention right now, and but we are actually seeing a transition in the podcast right now, but we're going to introduce a new co-host that may not be able to be on a lot of the episodes at the beginning of his time here at the podcast during the summer months. But if you remember... In the past two months, I guess we've had two episodes. One was on apologetics and the other was on community groups with Royce Alanese. And he's going to come on and be a regular contributor to the conversations with us here at the Everyday Ministry Podcast. And then also we're going to add two to three more podcasts a month, depending on the months. What we're going to really kind of allocate the name Minister's Minute. And really what it's going to be is a 10 to 15 minute long podcast on a specific question on what it means to be an everyday minister. And that's going to release on the alternate weeks that we release these episodes. So it'll be the second and fourth. And then if we so happen to have a fifth Monday in the month, it'll be on the fifth Mondays as well. And so that's what's new coming into the life of the Everyday Ministry podcast. But until then, we want to get into the conversation that we're going to be looking at this week, and it is on the spiritual discipline of fasting. And so as we jump into that question, first and foremost, um, we want to ask, what is fasting? Well, when we're talking about fasting from a biblical perspective, we're talking about the intentional putting away of food for a reason of spiritual growth, I guess, would be a uh, the best way to explain it. I want to try to get on the front end of this before we jump too far in it. Is it necessary when we think of the idea of fasting that it is from a perspective of food or do other things fall into the same category? I think if we're looking at it from a biblical perspective, it is primarily food. Now, I think there are good times to put away social media or television, things of that nature. And I know it's pretty popular in our time to call that fasting. But if we're speaking about it strictly from a scriptural standpoint, when scripture speaks about fasting, it's always in terms of not eating food or in some instances water. But that's we'll cover that later. That's not the normal way to fast for for, uh, us as Christians. But primarily we're talking about abstinence from food. So I'm looking I really think of that very specifically for a reason. But I'm curious, why why can we not translate it to the same thing for uh, social media, per se, as you use that example as food? Why, why can't it be that? Well, I think it's good to do those kind of things. But often, whenever we fast, you know, which I think it's okay to use the word, but let's say if I, I'm fasting from my phone or whatever, um, it's typically a way for me to discipline myself to get a, from overusing those things or, you know, stuff like that. Um, and, you know, just to practice self-control. Whereas fasting 
biblical fasting deals with food um, because that is a a natural thing that we all need and all you know have to have. We're not that food is bad, and it's not necessarily to stop yourself from being gluttonous. It's for a spiritual purpose outside of that. That's what I was looking for. And mainly I think the reason why we have to distinguish from fasting in a biblical sense from food than any other thing is because food is something that we're required to have as individuals to continue to live on this earth. And by unpopular opinion in our society today, we do not have to have social media or technology or things of the such necessarily, you know, to actually get nutrients and survive. And so I think we're going to look at this of why we fast later on in the conversation. But I think it's important to note that one reason of fasting and really kind of falls into them why it's important to distinguish from food and other things is a part of fasting is really putting something that we require and need and trusting God even in those things. Well said. I agree. As we just kind of identify and define what fasting is, is there different types of fasting or is it really just, you know, quit eating food altogether? Yeah, there are. Uh, we see numerous types of fast throughout scripture. And I don't think there's going to be an exhaustive list of everything that we see in scripture. But, you know, some of the normal ones that we see are uh, a normal fast would be what is also known as a Jewish fast is a sun up to sundown where you do not eat from uh, sun up to sundown. <laughs> uh, so that's, that's pretty, uh, pretty simple. And that is actually probably the most normative fasting that we see in scripture, but you also see other ones, the partial fast in which you uh, abstain from certain types of food. We see this in uh, the book of Daniel in which Daniel does not uh, partake of any delicacies uh, during a time of fasting. And unfortunately, some people have taken that and made that into a diet plan instead of uh, <laughs> instead of using it uh, the way it was intended. But, you know, there's partial fast. And then there's also a absolute fast, which would basically be abstaining from food for an extended period of time. Uh, I know of people that go on 21 day no food whatsoever fasting which is very intense and i actually did attempt that one time and it did not end up very well <laughs> and i think one more that we see in scripture primarily is a supernatural fast which is kind of what i was alluding to earlier in which there's nothing that is ingested food water whatsoever and uh this is not the normative fasting uh we we see that christ fasted that way in the uh, wilderness. Uh, and there was also a couple other fasting. I believe Elijah, was he Elijah or Elisha? I always get those two confused. One or the other attempted or did a supernatural fast. I believe there's one or two others. I don't have the, the references on hand, but those are really the four primary fasts that we see in scripture. All right. So maybe one of y'all can speak to it, but is that where we get the term breakfast from? Like you, you break fast. Yeah, I think that actually is the the origin because you're breaking a fast from, and technically it's fast from on, on the normal fast because you would yeah. eat in you could eat between the time periods where you were were not fasting, so they would still eat a meal before their fast began, 
and yeah. then fast the rest of the day. Now I'm probably pulling that from Wikipedia or something. So <laughs> don't take that as the Holy grail of why we do breakfast. <laughs> as Jamie said, that's kind of the four primary ways that we would distinguish them. And I think we're going to come back to some ways that we see these uh, practice in the individual or a church's life. But before we get to that, I guess the second question that we would need to ask after we're having having defined it is, should we fast? Because if we're going to be honest, Jamie, Chris, and I, as the listeners most likely are, should know by now, we're all Southern Baptists. And if we're going to be completely honest about Southern Baptist life, fasting is not a big part of what we do. Well, um, most Southern Baptists relate more to the first, second, and last letter in that word that they do all of them (laughs) f-a-t so so should we fast is the question i think it's important to say this that you know i think there's some disagreement on this because there's no like direct command in the new testament thou shalt fast but I think we could look at a few different scripture references and see that at the very least it's implied that we're expected to. You know, in Matthew 6, Jesus says he gives directions on how to fast. You know, it says and when you fast. So it's, you know, at least implied that he expects his disciples to fast. However, in Matthew 9, the Pharisees and I think in Mark, John's disciples ask why they don't fast. And Jesus says that, um, he said, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from heaven, and then they will fast. And in Acts, we see that people pray and fast. We see a moment in Christ's ministry on the earth where the disciples come to him with a, a certain situation. I think it's demon-possessed man that they couldn't cast out the the demon, and right. um, and his response is that this must be done through fasting and praying and fasting. So, right. yeah, no, exactly. So I think that that speaks to the expectation, and I think that's how uh, Don Whitney's book, "The Spiritual Disciplines of the Christian Life," puts it: that Jesus expected that we would fast. So I think that it is it is definitely a good thing. So I think my answer is. Yes, we should. However, that there isn't any expectation or direction in term in the New Testament as to how often we should fast, you know, when we should fast, those kind of things. Whereas Old Covenant, there was specific times you should be fasting. So to say that there is a difference, um, although we could say that it is it, a, it is an expectation that Christians will do it. Yeah, so I guess kind of make a distinction of it, you know, what we do see in Scripture is a command to, as you know, kind of as a church, because I think as we talk about these things, all three of our mindsets is connected this to the church in some capacity, uh, not only the individual's life. As a church, we see a command to pray together, to read Scripture together, preach and sit on the preaching together, to take of communion and baptism and these different things. Or there's not because those are all clear and explicit in the New Testament, right? So where this isn't, but it's still a general practice spoke of in God's word, right? And it's throughout Christ, you know, 
Christian history, it is, it has been a practice that, like I said, even in the New Testament, we see it being practiced, and we see that it is continually practiced from that point on in the early church and, you know, up until now. So we know that Jesus does demonstrate an expectation that we would fast. And of course, like you said, Chris, there's no real biblical mandate for when or how or how often, any of that. But the question that needs to be answered is how come we don't fast? What's Because obviously many Southern Baptists, this is not a normal <laughs> part of their uh, spiritual life is fasting uh many southern baptists might go their entire life without having a a fast mm-hmm. so why do people not practice this discipline well i mean i think part of it is for that reason like we just talked about is you know we're told in in what manner we should fast when we fast um but i mean part of it is going to be speaks to the reason why we ought to be fasting is because, you know, we allow our, our stomachs and our, you know, our comfort to Lord over what we're doing. It's easy. I mean, it's hard to some people, you know, to get up and go to church in the morning on once a week, but it's way harder to go without a Big Mac sometimes. So, you know, I, I think the inherent difficulty of it or the fear of it is a big part of it. And anybody who, I mean, I get like hangry really easily and that's on a normal day. Like when I have had breakfast and it's like 1145 and I'm like, I need food right now, you know, much less under a fasting scenario. And, you know, I think it's just our, our nature. Of course, it's a good thing. This is how we're built. We're built to want food. Then that also speaks to why we ought to be fasting. I don't know. What do you think? I just wanted to say that I'm the same way. I'm taking in like 1600 calories right now in a day. And I just feel like I'm starving to death all day long. So just stepping away from food altogether is terrible. So yeah, and it's probably not. It's not preached like we ought to be doing it. We're not told to do it from the pulpit as much as probably other church, you know, other denominations. Where other denominations, I think, you know, like I've I've seen some pretty wrong ways that fasting is being taught so i think while you know certain people will say you need to fast so you can literally hear the voice of god tell you what to do or you know you really want this thing go ahead and fast so you can get this thing in a way of like manipulating god or earning something from god like you're showing proving your worth or bending god's arm behind your back because you know you didn't eat three meals like (laughs) A lot of people preach those kind of things. There's sin in both of those things. Now, there's not sin always whenever people aren't fasting. And that's what I mean, why it's more wrong. It's more wrong to specifically tell somebody to do it in a wrong way. Whereas people who aren't fasting, sometimes they're doing it out of sinful reasons, but not all the time. That's what I meant to say. Much like prayer, we don't fast to plead with God to do something, right? Or expect something out of him. It's more or less we fast to change our mindset on who God is and what he's causing and doing in our lives. And so I think that's one of the, like Chris was alluding to there, that's one of the dangers in so many people that emphasize fasting sometimes is that we fast for the purpose of seeing God do something 
that he didn't already plan on doing and trying to bend his arm and twist his arm in such a way that he'll he'll give us what we want or desire or anything of that nature. It's more or less of putting our mindset of trusting in God to do something that he's working out already. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess that goes to the question of then how should we fast? Well, what we should do is realize one day by looking in the mirror that we need to lose 40 pounds and we just uh, <laughs> had to just quit eating for a few days and chop, uh, up, chop it up to fasting, you know? Yeah, I don't think I'm telling you, inter- intermediate fasting does wonders. I've lost 30 pounds already. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How, how, <laughs> what does Christian fasting look like? Biblical fasting, not starving yourself to lose weight. Um, uh, I think it's definitely taking a selfie and letting everybody know that you're fasting. <laughs> yeah. Did you really fast if no one knew about it? It's like voting. Yeah. <laughs> a sticker on Instagram, you did not do it. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so, um, that's actually how Jesus told us not to fast. Yeah, exactly. And I know and you get we, that confused. And I know we're jokingly saying all of those things, but and I hate to answer to your question by answering a totally different question, but the way we fast is first off, not publicizing it, not making a big skeptical of it. I mean, um, you know, even as you said, what Christ tells them to do is wash their face to where they don't appear like they're fasting. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we fast with that mindset. We fast with the mindset of what, what is the purpose in this? Yeah. I'll quote Donald Whitney here. So he says, without a clear biblical purpose, fasting becomes an end in itself. So that's kind of like James said, you know, we're not fasting for a, uh, a worldly purpose, which would be to lose weight. Um, and we're not fasting without a purpose at all, or we're not fasting in a way that's uh, trying to prove something to God or, you know, anything else. It's has to be a clear biblical purpose. And he also says that your hunger helps you serving as a continual reminder of your spiritual purpose. So I know he gives examples of if you're, if you're, if you're fasting, you know, maybe you have a loved one, you want to come to salvation. Well, when you're going throughout the day, instead of, you know, feeling a hunger pain and being like, Oh, this is miserable, which is something he talks about throughout the entire book of this spiritual disciplines. If they don't have a purpose, if they don't, you know, then they are, then they're going to be miserable. And he speaks of that in fasting as well, that whenever you feel those hunger pains, oh, you're reminded to pray for your loved one, or you're reminded to pray for that thing that, you know, whatever, you're reminded of the, of the purpose of why you're fasting, what you're bringing before God, rather than it being drudgery. Miser- basically, fasting is miserable, but that's kind of built in to it. That's but it's not as miserable whenever you you feel those pains and you remember why you're actually fasting and well, there's purpose behind it. I would say that, you know, that last quote you kind of mentioned that he, the last quote that you, you read of Don Whitney's book is your hunger helps you by serving as a continual reminder of your spiritual purpose. That is the key reason why we fast is, and that's how we fast because so often when it comes to the spiritual nature of our, our the spiritual nature of our lives, sometimes that doesn't come as easy and as noticeable as that hunger we feel or that need to eat and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. So 
how we fasten is by having a purpose behind it. You know, what is the purpose of our fasting in this specific moment? Um, and generally it's to rely on God more than we do previously for a specific area of our lives. Like, for example, the thing you mentioned was a loved one coming to know him in salvation that were dependent on Christ to save that individual. So we use fasting as a reminder of that in our lives in a prayer for that individual or possibly sharing our faith with them. Um, and so we fast by having the right mindset as we fast. And also when we abstain from food and we begin to grow weak, grow hungry, grow tired. I know uh, those are normal uh, feelings whenever we do not have any subsistence. Uh, is that in that point we have to seek God to be our strength and our subsistence in that situation? I don't know if I'm even using that word right, uh, but we have to trust Him to to give us that strength that we lack when we are fasting. Uh, I think that is a wonderful part of fasting is that in that moment we have to trust in Him. Yeah, I would say that earlier in our marriage, me and my wife uh, for a period of time decided that we were going to do a fast like once a week or something like that. And I think maybe we uh, were doing a partial fast where we did like a smoothie a day or, you know, and then water or whatever. Um, but it was so miserable. Like I would take a nap. So the time would go by faster. <laughs> 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 like that was part of my process of getting through the fast. This was not a correct way to do a fast. Dude, my my first fast was awful. I uh I decided I was gonna very first time I ever fast, I was gonna, you know, be super Christian and do an absolute fast for like mm. three days, not eat nothing. And I think at the end of the first day we were living over in Tuscaloosa in an apartment. And at the end of the first day it was about 10 o'clock at night, I was like, man, I'm done. I got up, went to Taco Bell <laughs> and got a Taco 12 pack. <laughs> and I ate about eight of those things. And uh, yeah, it did not go well. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I, you know, we say that, and I know we've gave a lot of warnings against, you know, fasting and how we should fast and things of that nature. But, you know, I think about this, how should we fast? Uh, you know, I think about Jamie, for example. Now, he may not act like it's a difficult job from time to time, but he works at a, a lumber yard as a lumber inspector. I hope I'm qualifying that right. You know, a job like that this time of the year in 100-degree weather, it might not be best to go on a normal fast for a week-long period of time mm -hmm. because eventually you're going to drain yourself too too much. Not a normal fast, but a absolute fast That's for right. three days because you're going to drain yourself of all nutrients and then they're going to have to call the ambulance from you. But, and, and so I say that to say, you know, as you're fasting, it's also important to take note of what your occupation is and what you're able to do. Not saying you don't trust in God and the whole process, but you know, a normal fast will you, what'd you say? The Jewish culture was set up, set up Sunday. If, you know, maybe do something like that and, you know, and spend that time fasting in that way, uh, whatever the case may be, you know, be smart about it. Right. Don't over-spiritualize this. Don't, don't do anything like that. I know we do see this picture of Christ fasting 40 days, 40 nights. And so I'm not saying don't do things of that nature, but I'm just saying, you know, be smart about it. Don't 
do a supernatural don't do this absolute fast for seven days if you know hey i have a job that's going to cause a lot of me now me i work in an air-conditioned building for the Mm -hmm. post office i may move a good bit but i'm not i don't have a job that's taxing on me i work hours a day i would be a little more capable of doing something more into well you're you're always welcome to modify it depending on your situations. Obviously there are numerous medical situations that will prevent people from doing these exact type of fast, especially if people are diabetic or something of that nature. But I do think even in those situations, many times you can find something to, uh, to be in some type of biblical fasting. Yeah. Well, and there's other things that you can take in too. So even if you want to practice an absolute fast and you are diabetic, you know, you could take the glucose shots and things of that nature that will provide for what you need in that moment, but they're not satisfying as eating maybe a piece of cheesecake or something, you know? Yeah. Legal disclaimer here. We're not giving medical advice on this yeah. podcast. So do not sue us. Yeah. See, see your regular doctor. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we looked at, kind of why people don't fast and kind of why they limit themselves in some ways. But I guess the the last question we really want to address in this episode is why do we fast? What is the purpose behind fasting? You know, I'd like to begin just by noting that the purpose of them, and I think we've made this part clear through the Uh whole thing itself, but one reason we (laughs) fast to obtain God's favor and so just to kind of say that on the offset is, you know, even though there are going to be some amazing things that come with fasting in and of itself, we don't do this to gain his favor. There's nothing supernatural in fasting that's going to make God love us more than if we didn't fast at all. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, if we treat fasting in that manner, we're basically making God into a, a, our magic genie or something. If we just act or say or do the right things he will grant our request so yeah obviously that is not what we should be seeking in fasting but rather we should be seeking i mean there's numerous things that you could you could say are are beneficial about fasting but we should be seeking to grow closer uh to god to to uh seek uh to know him better to seek to be strengthened in prayer there's something amazing about when you're fasting, you have to be dependent upon prayer. And we haven't mentioned this, but prayer and fasting do go together. Uh, there is a need and a desire that we should have to be in prayer while we are fasting. So there are numerous reasons that we can fast. And I would say that there are instances in the Bible that we see that people do fast for specific purposes. Uh, Come something that comes to mind is uh, David and Bathsheba's child when God pronounced that He was going to uh, have the going to allow this child to die was you know going to take the child from them because of David's sin. Uh, even then, David went into a fast to try to uh, you know I should probably quote the scripture, but basically he he went into the fasting time to. Uh, to see if maybe God would relent of that and would allow the child to live. Uh, Of course, we know that that did not happen, but we do see a purpose in that fast. And there's other instances. Daniel had a reason for fasting. Uh, Of course, the people of Israel had reasons for fasting. So 
there are numerous reasons, but we have to understand the reason is not to manipulate God. Right. Yeah. I think one of the things he says is that it doesn't, that whatever purpose it is, it should be biblical and it should be God centered uh, rather than selfish or like however you'd want to phrase that. Um, he probably phrased it better than I did. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, there's any of, I think any number of things that we would seek to desire or we're, we're told to desire in scripture, um, whether it's our own spiritual well-being, our closeness to God, humility, or things we would desire for other people, all of those under the biblical categories that fasting is appropriate like you said, along with prayer for those purposes. Yeah. And, you know, we look at this idea of why do we fast? You know, I'll just speak for myself, you know, in most incidences where I have fasted in my life, it's really been to strengthen my prayer in the seeking of God's guidance during a specific moment. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's, you know, as we reflect and talk about it, there might've been some ill motives on my behalf when doing it in that, that way, because, you know, Whitney, he gives, I guess it's about 11 different reasons why we should fast. And, you know, I would encourage the listeners as we've been doing throughout this whole study, as we've walked through it, you know, really pick up his book and, you know, read through this chapter. But, you know, I, I really find that those two are the main reasons why I personally, and why I hear of many people fasting. Yeah. I would say, that, I mean, that's probably the most common that I've seen. So earlier, Jamie really mentioned the uh, four primary ways that we, we fast, the normal, the partial, the absolute, the supernatural fasting. But what we also see that Whitney mentions in his book is five different um, kind of ways in which we fast, um, such as private fasting or congregational fasting or national fast, a regular fast in the old covenant, and then occasional fast um does any one of you want to kind of tackle with those five things how they look different sure i mean a private fast would obviously i guess be one where you're doing it alone it's you you're not allowing other people you're not doing it in front of other people you know the whole washing your face kind of situation would not instagramming it well would you say in the private fast would you would you group like you and your wife into that category as a private fast um Probably, um, because it would differentiate a private fast from, well, me and my wife are one, bro. So <laughs> two became one. Uh, either a private fast, a congregational fast, um, national fast, and then, like I said, there's okay or occasional fasts um, where it was an occurred on a specific occasion, and then the. Uh, old covenant fast that's what we kind of talked about earlier so i think a private fast you know if you want to say that includes your your you and your spouse congregational fast like we've done at a church before where it's the whole church together is seeking something um or you know desiring a thing uh, or just for the church the church body in general National fast, obviously. What I thought was something that was interesting, I think you mentioned in the book, was that even our country has had, the United States of America has had multiple national fasts throughout our history where a president would call on the nation to fast. Most commonly, we do see this private fast or the congregational fast. As we kind of alluded to, 
we haven't seen the national fast probably in mine or Jamie's lifetime and maybe not even in Chris's lifetime. Like <laughs> difference. there's only like a six year difference there, but still. yeah, but it, I mean, Reagan might've done it. So I was alive when Reagan was president technically. So as we come to the end of the conversation to the, um, for this episode, we really want to go into the plugs of the week for you guys. I can suggest a book that I haven't read okay on fasting if anybody wants to explore it anymore john piper wrote a book called a hunger for god uh desiring god through fasting and prayer and with a foreword by david platt and i I am interested in actually reading that book i i own it i just haven't read it yet resolutions so though it has nothing to do with fasting itself there's this little book that I'll, i'll try to read through periodically generally just through I don't read the book as a whole. I just read different parts of it. And it's by Jonathan Edwards, uh, Resolutions. And then also, if you get the right copy, which mine came from PNR Publishing, it um, it also has an advice to young converts. And though the book itself is simply what Jonathan Edwards' resolutions were in his own life, I found that many of them are fantastic little mantras, I guess, to think mm-hmm. for your day. And I think Chris actually, do you have one of those as one of your well shirts or stickers or something? Yeah, one of them. Yeah, because I know I've given a plug for Chapel Library before. Yeah, which publishes a lot of old. It's not just old Puritan writings, but largely a lot of Puritan writings. So I keep a copy. You can see it. This is like a little. Uh, it's the resolutions of Jonathan Edwards, and it's just a little pamphlet size, oh, and really? I. I have the copy you have as well, but this one tucks, it fully fits with inside of my Bible. And I just leave that one there. Uh, so you can get that for free from them. They'll send you a copy and some other pamphlets and booklets and stuff for free, like once a month, or you can download it digitally. That version you have is good too. It's not that big and it's only like, if, I found it in a local bookstore for like four bucks, but yeah, I think I bought mine at Lifeway last year during the convention. Really? Um, I believe so. Uh, I didn't pay much of nothing for it. Who uh, is the forward for that? The uh, It's edited by Stephen Nichols. And he's with, is he with uh, Desiring God or? Um, Ligonier. Ligonier. Yeah. Ligonier, yeah. Um, but I found this book to be pretty beneficial. It's one that I, I'll, uh, during different seasons of my life, like I said, I'll read it more. I guess I'll say devotionally. I'll, I'll say it that way uh, to add to my Bible reading. And then also as I read through uh, the 1689 at different times. And so I want to recommend that. Jamie, what's your plug? man? All right. I don't know if I've, have I ever plugged World Magazine. I know I've plugged podcast. I don't think so. Do they have a podcast? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, I don't you know plug the actual magazine, but you have the podcast. Yeah. I got the magazine <laughs> right here. I didn't know they still actually print a magazine. Wow. Uh, so I'm going to plug uh, World Magazine. Uh, if you're looking for a resource for current events, what is going on in the world, it gives uh, analysis from a Christian perspective as well as news from a Christian perspective. World Magazine uh, is wonderful. To have. I believe I've uh, mentioned their podcast, The World and Everything in It, before. But they also have a magazine which goes a little more in depth on some of the issues they cover in the podcast. And 
I think it's a wonderful resource for everybody. All right. Well, we hope that you've enjoyed the conversation on fasting. And though we probably say this every time we talk about Whitney's book, we're just trying to give an overview of it, an overview of the topic itself. If you really want to find the edification of the book itself, go and purchase the book, read through that chapter. As I've said on the podcast many times, and I've told my congregation as we're teaching through it right now, is that this is a book that I read once a year, every year. No, I have not read it this year other than in trying to prepare for this and my teaching it through it on Sunday nights with our church. But it's a fantastic book on spiritual disciplines. We would encourage you to pick up a copy, maybe find the updated copy where it doesn't reference cassette tapes okay. and things of the such. <laughs> um, that, that copy is still golden. It's still a good copy. It's the physical copy I have. And this first copy I read of it and it, kind of showed its age just a little bit but uh, find a copy of the book read through it it's a great resource for you and your church and then anybody that you would like to give it to uh, one thing that I, I find beneficial um, and I haven't done this in a few years but I've actually walked through this book with different people and that God's placed in my life that were new believers of the sort now you do have to make certain things clear as we try to make in every podcast is that we don't practice this out of gaining God's favor, but we practice it out of being disciplined and growing closer to him. Uh, So I want to encourage you buy a copy of the book. If you don't already have a copy and then read through it as you, as we're teaching through it or presenting information through it, each podcast, Jamie, do you have an encouragement to the listeners? Yeah, I'll just say to our listeners out there to, take these principles that you have heard, these disciplines and apply them into your uh, spiritual walk. I know many times fasting can be difficult. It is a hard discipline to institute in our lives and especially to do it regularly. Uh, But I believe that if we do it with the right motivations uh, and we do it all to the glory of God, there will be a tremendous benefit from us uh, seeking to do this. So go out and fast. And as I said on the front end of the episode, we are beginning to release two to three more episodes per month. And it's what we're kind of calling the Minister's Minute. They're a short 10 to 15 minute conversation about everyday ministry, answering a specific question. We'd encourage you to take a listen to those. They're going to be a quick resource for you to to digest, not this 30 to hour long podcast each week, but it's something to kind of supplement some uh, podcasts for you each month. Encourage you to take a listen to those. And once again, we want to thank uh, the August Guns for allowing us to use their music during this podcast. We hope that you've enjoyed this episode of the Everyday Ministry Podcast, where everyday ministers get together to discuss ministry.
Say.